0: Sometimes in life, we get off the path or track that the Lord has laid before us, and when we do that, we can lose our joy or lose our peace. When that happens, we need to get back on track. In today's message, Stay in Your Lane, John will show us how to get our lives back on track, and better yet, how not to get off track in the first place.
1: You know, one of the great things to me about living in the Houston area is the sports. I mean, if you're a sports fan, we've got the Texans, the Rockets, the Astros, the the soccer teams. We've got so many things going on. And on top of that, I don't know if you follow it very closely, but the University of Houston has got an absolutely phenomenal track program. And this is especially true with their men's track program. The head coach of the Houston track team is a man named Leroy Burrell, and some of you might remember that name. That back in the '90s, he was a tremendous sprinter in his own right. He was a world record holder. In fact, at one time, Leroy, Leroy Burrell was considered the fastest man in the world. And he has Olympic gold medals, and he's he's the head track coach. Now, if that's not impressive enough, the assistant coach at the University of Houston is a guy named Carl Lewis. How many of you have ever heard of Carl Lewis? Carl Lewis is probably the greatest Olympic athlete of all time. He has won incredibly large numbers of gold medals. And at one time, he was considered the fastest man in the world. And so, at the University of Houston men's track team, you go to practice, and here you have Leroy Burrell and Carl Lewis. Now, I don't know what those coaches say to the athletes before a big track meet or before a big event. I'm, I'm sure they're firing them up and they're giving them some kind of speech, but I would think one of the things that they would say before a big race, whether it's the 100 meters or, two tw- or 200 meters or the 4x100 relay, whatever the race is, I think they would say to those athletes, listen guys, when you get out there today, get a good start, come out of the blocks, keep your eyes straight forward. But I think one of the things they would say to those runners is whatever you do today, stay in your lane. Because if you get out of your lane, you're going to be disqualified. I was interested last week, I got studying this, how many times in the history of track have runners gotten out of their lane? And it was a lot of times. In fact, I saw one YouTube clip of a, it was a big track meet, the World Indoor Meets. It was a 400-meter a, a race. There were only five guys in that particular heat, and all five runners got disqualified. One was disqualified because he had excessive false starts. The other four were disqualified because at some point in that race, they got out of their lane and getting out of that lane disqualified them. And so today, I want us to think about the importance of staying in our lane. And I'd like to just define what I mean by our lane at the outset of this message. God's lane for you. is is His path for your life. It is His plan for your life. And one of the challenges in life, at least it's a challenge for me, is to find our lane, and another challenge is to be content in our lane. The fact is, most people don't like the lane of life they're running in. Most people spend their life looking at other people and they're in their lane and they're thinking, man, if I only had his job or if I only had her looks or if I only had their money or if I only lived in that house or if I only had their connections. And so, so many people, as they're going through life, instead of staying in their lane, Being grateful for the lane God has assigned to them, they're thinking, man, if I could just get in some other lane, if I could have some other job, live in some other house, drive some other car, be in some other relationship, have some other family, have a little bit more money, then I would be happy. And so today, we're thinking about the importance of staying in our lane. You say, John, is there an example in the Bible of somebody who had been assigned a lane by God to run in, and that person? wanted to be in another lane. Yes, there is. And if you'll open your Bibles to John 21, I'll show you a beautiful example of one of God's choice servants who at one time in his life was not completely satisfied with the lane that God had assigned him to run in. And that, of course, is Simon Peter. And in John chapter 21, we studied a couple of weeks ago about how after Peter had denied that he knew Jesus, that the Lord forgave him of that sin. The Lord put him back into the ministry. He, he gave him a life of meaning and purpose. And begin we'll pick up there. In verse 18, Jesus made a prophecy of how Peter's life would one day end. And here's what he said. Most assuredly, I say to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself and walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands, and another will gird you and carry you where you do not wish. This he spoke, signifying by what death... Peter would glorify God and when he had spoken this he said to him follow me and so Jesus says to Peter Peter I've forgiven you for denying me I'm putting you back into the ministry I have a plan for your life you're going to live and serve me until you're an old man but you need to know this there's coming a day out there in your old age where you will die because of your faith in me And your death is not going to be a pleasant death. It's going to be a painful death. He was prophesying, and it came true. History tells us it came true, that Peter would one day be crucified because of his faith in Jesus Christ. Now, in verse 20, we find Peter's response to what Jesus has said. It says, then Peter, turning around, saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. Now, that is a reference to the apostle John. And in verse 21, it says, Peter, seeing him, that is seeing John, said to Jesus, but Lord, what about this man? In other words, you're telling me that I'm going to have to be crucified because of my faith in you. Here's what I want to know. What about John? Is he going to die like that? Is he going to have to be crucified for his faith? What was Peter doing? Peter was saying, Lord, this lane that you've assigned me is not an easy lane. It's going to end with me dying a painful death. And so instead of focusing on Jesus and saying, Lord, I know when that time comes, you'll give me grace. You'll not abandon me. You'll be with me. What did Peter do? He took his eyes off of Jesus and off of his lane. He looked over at John and he said, what about him? And Jesus very kindly responded by saying, I'm paraphrasing what Jesus said. It's none of your business. That's really what Jesus said to Peter. Now, Jesus said it nicer than that. Look in verse 22. And here's exactly what he said. Jesus said to him, If I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? In other words, he was saying, Peter, if it's my will that John never die, if it's my will that he stay alive until I come back to this earth, What is that to you? How how does what I do in John's life, what does that have to do with what I'm doing in your life? And then he said, you follow me. Verse 23. Then this saying went out among the brethren that this disciple would not die. Yet Jesus did not say to him that he would not die. But if here's what he said, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? And so Jesus was saying to Peter, Peter, what you need to do is to stay in your lane. Don't worry about what's happening to John. Isn't Peter so relatable? I mean, we we read that and we think, I am so much like that. If Jesus came to me and told me something like he said to Peter, I would have been saying, what about John? What about Thomas? What about Matthew? What about Nathaniel? What about these other disciples? What about Philip? And Jesus said, it's none of your business. You run the race that I've given you to run, and you stay in your lane. And so, what I hope to do in this morning, in this message this morning, is to say some things that would help all of us to stay in our lane and to run the race that God has given us. And I want to just make three statements today that I hope will will be helpful to you. Number one, your lane has been paved by the grace of God. In other words, the first reason that you should stay in your lane is is because your lane has been paved by the grace of God. What does that mean? It means that in your lane, you will find everything you need to run the race that God has set for you to run. In your lane, there is provision. In your lane, there is protection. In your lane, there are the right people. God will bring people into your life to encourage you, to bless you, to lift you up. All that's in your lane. In your lane is peace. And so the first thing I would say today, the first reason that I would give today for staying in your lane is because in your lane, there is the grace and the provision of God Almighty. And if you get out of your lane, you're going to miss out on some of those things. Now, the second reason I would give today for staying in your lane is simply this your lane is where you can best glorify God. Sometimes a person thinks, "Man, if I just was in the if I could be in this other lane, if I could have this other opportunity, then I could glorify God there." Jesus says, "No, you can't glorify God in that lane because that's not your lane. But right here in your lane is where you can best glorify me." Now look back in verse 19 again because this is very important in what in what was this conversation between Jesus and Peter. It says Jesus spoke these words to Peter, signifying by what death he would glorify God. In other words, Peter was given an opportunity to glorify God in his death. You say, how can we glorify God in our physical death? By trusting the Lord, by knowing he's with us, by looking to heaven, by not bemoaning what we're going through, but by just moving forward and trusting God as best we can. But now think about this. If we can glorify God in our death... How much more can we glorify God in our life? And we do that by staying in our lane. And if we'll stay in our lane, we will glorify God in ways that we would never glorify Him if we jumped lanes and tried to run somebody else's race. I was thinking this past week about examples of people I have known who have figured out what their lane was, and they have stayed in their lane and they have served God in their lane and how they've best glorified God. And there are a lot of examples I could give today. And I could tell stories about people who, who you know personally or who you know of. But I want to tell about a friend of mine whom you don't know. You've, you've never met. And, and, and yet, as I look back on my life, this particular individual... Has stayed in his lane as well as anybody I know, and his name is Greg Owens. When I was growing up, Greg and I were good friends in high school. He was two years older than I was. He was a senior when I was a sophomore, and he was one of the best high school football players that I have ever seen. In fact, he played strong side linebacker for Sulphur Springs back in the 80s. He was the first athlete to receive the honor All State since Forrest Gregg had gotten that honor coming through Sulphur Springs High School many years earlier. Now, if you're a sports fan, you know that Forrest Gregg went on to play for the Green Bay Packers and had an incredible career. And between him and 1986, nobody had gotten that at Sulphur Springs until Greg did. And he was just a tremendous athlete. In fact, he was, like I said, he was a senior when I was a sophomore, so he was on the varsity when I was on the junior varsity. And the way that worked back then was, if you were on the junior varsity... You are like a hitting bag for those who were on the varsity. And so during practice, they would bring some of us 10th graders over and the varsity guys would hit us as hard as they could. And I don't know if schools are still allowed to do this today, but back then on Tuesdays, it was called the hardest hitting practice day. And whoever got the hardest hit got a Dr. Pepper after practice. And I can say this, I have sponsored and furnished Greg Owens with more Dr. Peppers than anybody ever did. I mean, he hit me so hard it wasn't even funny. Well, he graduated high school, went to Stephen F. Austin in Nacogdoches, played football there. In fact, back in the uh, late 80s, Stephen F. went to the national championship in their division of football, lost the game, but they nonetheless made it to the championship game. And he decided he wanted to be a high school football coach. His coaches had made a great impact on his life, just like they did mine. And he wanted to follow in their footsteps. And so he got a job coaching at Lindale High School in East Texas. And then years later, the door opened for him to come back to his hometown and to be the head football coach and athletic director at Sulphur Springs High School. He's been there since 2004. So for about 15 years now, he's been their coach. In 2008, he led them to win the state championship. And they played against Dayton. It was a great game in San Antonio. My dad and I went to that game. And So they won that, and they've had some success since then as well. And I always thought, just following Greg from a distance, knowing him as well as I do, that there would come a day when he would leave Sulphur Springs and that he might one day become the head football coach of a school like Katie. He's such a great uh, football mind. He's such a great motivator. He has such a great wife, just such a great guy that he could coach any high school football program in the state of Texas. He's coaching 4A now. He could easily coach 5A. In fact, I think so highly of Greg that I think he could coach at the collegiate level of any any program in in the nation. I think he could be the head coach of that program. And if I were the president of a school, I would contact him and see, could I get him to come and be the coach? He's just such a great guy. And yet Greg, in his heart, has figured out that God wants him to be the head football coach there in Sulphur Springs. For him, at least for now, that's his lane. And he is running in that lane. He's staying in his lane. And he's making a difference on the players' lives. He's led many of those kids to the Lord. He's active in his church. In fact, when I was in Sulphur Springs a year ago preaching, I had thought to myself, I have always wanted for us to hire Greg to be on our church staff. He's just such a a dynamic personality, a great Christian, loves the Lord. I thought he would be such a great addition to our staff. We don't even have a position. We just make one up for him. But when I was there, I saw not only the impact that he was making in the school and in the community, but in his church. He's very active. He and his wife, Carla, are very active in their church. He's an usher. This morning, while we're having our service here, he's back there passing out bulletins. He's an usher, a greeter for the second service there. And I thought, you know, there's a great example of someone who has found his lane... And instead of trying to send his resume all over the state of Texas, asking his coaching buddies to refer him to these 5A, what would be considered the top spots in high school coaching jobs, he's not doing any of that. I doubt he even has a resume. What is he doing? He's just staying in that lane. You say, John, are you saying there's anything wrong with moving up the ladder? I want you to listen very carefully to my answer to that question. There's nothing wrong with moving up the ladder. But I believe there's something wrong with climbing the ladder. I think there are a lot of people who are so unhappy in their lane that they're always trying to pull a string or have a lunch with this person or meet that person or get a good word into that person so that they can go to this position and that position and that position. Listen, as a child of God, we should think of promotion moving up the ladder. Think of it more like an escalator than a staircase. If you climb a staircase, you're having to spend energy to get to the top. But if you get on an escalator, you just stand there and the escalator takes you to the top. See, as Christians, when it comes to promotion, God is our escalator. The Bible says in Psalm 75, promotion comes not from the east or the west or the south. Promotion comes from the north. That's where God lives. And so if we'll just stay in our lane and be faithful in the race that God has given us, letting Him meet our needs, glorifying and honoring Him the best we can, If God wants to promote us, if God wants to put us in another lane, he will do that and it will require absolutely zero effort on our part. But what I'm saying today is that your lane, whatever your lane is, if you're a coach, teacher, principal, housewife, plant worker student in school, whatever your lane is, listen, if you will just stay in that lane, that's where God has placed you, and that's where you can best honor and glorify God. You still listen? Say amen. Now, the third thing I would say about this, the importance of staying in your lane, because as I said a moment ago, sometimes it's difficult to be in our lane. And sometimes we get to looking at other people running the race and we want to be in their lane. And so this third point is so very important. The best way to stay in your lane is to keep your focus on Jesus. That's the best way. We have to have blinders on. You know, in life, our peripheral vision is a tremendous gift from God. I can look straight ahead at you and yet out of my peripheral vision, I can see people sleeping on both sides of me right now while I'm up here talking. But peripheral vision is a good thing. But in the Christian life, peripheral vision can get us in trouble. As followers of Jesus, we really need blinders on so that we don't even know, we're not even that aware of what's happening in other people's lanes. And Jesus said this again, I want you to see verse 22, again, what Jesus had said to Peter. He said, Peter, if I will that he remain till I come, what is that to you? You follow me. He said the same thing in verse 19. Follow me. Verse 22, you follow me. What was Jesus saying? Jesus saying, listen, Peter, this lane that I have for you, there's going to be 30 or so more years of fruitful service at the end. You're going to die a painful death. But when that time comes, you're going to have an opportunity to glorify me by the way you respond to that. Follow me. Focus on me. Put your spiritual blinders on and just keep moving forward, focusing on me. And, friend, what Jesus said to Peter applies to all of us today. The only way that we can stay in our lane for the long haul is to focus on Jesus. If you look too much to the right and left, you're going to get in trouble. Or if you start listening to what too many people are saying, you're going to get in trouble. You have to focus on Jesus and just keep moving forward. You say, well, John, how did that work out with Peter? Did Peter one day glorify Jesus with his death? Yes, he did. It's interesting. The Bible never tells us how Peter died. But church history does. The famous church historian Eusebius records the account of Peter's death and basically, and I'm paraphrasing here, Eusebius says this, approximately 30 years after this event happened in the life of Peter, when Peter would have been around 30, 30 years later now he's around 60, he and his wife are living in Rome and Peter is sharing Christ with the people living in Rome. And if you know much at all about church history, you know that First century Christians were martyred in large numbers for their faith in Jesus Christ. And that was especially true in Rome. And if you go to Rome today, you can go to the Colosseum, and you can see where the Christians were literally fed to the wild animals because of their faith in Jesus Christ. In Rome during those days, the way the the authorities, the anti-Christ authorities, if I can say it that way because they were anti-Christ, they would say to the Christians of that day, Either deny that Jesus is Lord and confess that Caesar is Lord. Caesar was the great leader in the Roman world of that day. Or else we're going to kill you for your faith. And most of the Christians, most all of the Christians would refuse to deny. They would say, I cannot say Caesar is Lord because Caesar is not my Lord. Jesus is my Lord. Christos kurios is how they would say it. Jesus is Lord. And so on one occasion, they came to Simon Peter, who had been arrested because of his faith in Jesus Christ. And they said, Peter, either deny your faith in Jesus, make the confession that Caesar is Lord, or we will crucify you. And Peter said in response to that, I can never deny Jesus. He is my Lord. I could never say Caesar is Lord because Caesar is not my Lord. Christos Kyrios, Christ is Lord. And they said, Peter, you leave us no choice but to crucify you. But they did an interesting thing, Eusebius tells us. Before they crucified Simon Peter, they said, Peter, part of your punishment is going to be that you will have to watch your wife be crucified. And then after she dies, then we'll crucify you. And so they began the process of leading his wife out to the crucifixion site where she would have the nails like Jesus placed in her hands and feet. And as she was taken out away from the presence of her husband, like a, like a lamb sled to the slaughter, Eusebius, who was quoting Clement, who lived around that time, said this to his wife. He said to his wife, these three famous words, remember the Lord. What was he saying? He was saying, stay focused on Jesus. That death's going to be painful. Crucifixion is agonizing. And the only way you can make it is to remember the Lord and focus on Jesus and So she went out and they crucified her and Peter watched her die. And after she died, they went to Peter and said, now it's your turn to be crucified if you refuse to recant your faith in Jesus Christ. He said, I totally refuse. I could never recant my faith. And they took him to the execution site and while on the ground, they put the nails in his hands and feet. And as they got ready to lift up that cross where he would be crucified and drop it in that hole like Jesus was, Peter said, I only have one request. He said, my request is that I could be crucified upside down because I'm not worthy to be crucified like Jesus was. And Eusebius says that they honored that request. And after they had nailed his hands and feet, when they lifted that cross up, they turned it upside down. And Simon Peter, with his head to the ground, Losing blood in the process of that crucifixion, what was he doing? He was proclaiming, Jesus Christ is my Lord, even if it cost me my life.
0: We hope that today's message on how to stay in your lane has been an encouragement to you. You can find this message along with many others on our website at www.PeaceByBelieving.org. One way that will help you stay in your lane is to read your Bible daily We have several daily Bible reading plans on our website. You can locate those by clicking on the booklets tab or on the website, go to peacebybelieving.org slash booklets. Thank you for joining us today, and we look forward to you being with us on the next Peace by Believing with John Redmond.